0: You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry go to www.trinityhudson.org. So um, I grew up in Wisconsin in Milwaukee area, West Bend to be specific and so uh, I don't know what it is about the river but I always feel home at home when I'm over on this side. It's honored to be here. With you guys, and to be uh, able to uh, speak the word with you, Um, so I for those of you who don't know me, uh, I am a pastor in the Twin Cities area. I had the honor of starting a church. This guy right here was a part of it for many years uh, in those in those days, and um, that church called the Alley. And now I run an organization called Link Twin Cities, where we basically raise up leaders within their own communities to reach people with the gospel and. Uh, There's a lot more I could say about that. Right now, I just want to say thank you for your church. Being in partnership with us, and thank you for your friendship. It is always welcoming and encouraging to be here. I actually had planned today. We had four different leaders who were going to be here: one who's starting a home for victims of sex trafficking, another who's starting a church, and another who's a hip hop artist who was going to do some spoken word with us. Um, and because he won't be here, he was going to be part of my message. I had to kind of shift things around today and uh, and pull a message out of my back pocket. So I'm doing a message that I did a few weeks ago because the original plan just wasn't working. Are you guys okay with that? Yeah, you don't really have a choice, but I am asking you. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you're closest to the door, so you could probably make an out. But what I want to talk to you about today is um, from John chapter 11, uh, the answer, I, I, want to, I want to chew on this question with, with you, which is what happens to us after we die? And I, I know that's a kind of a a big question, but very specifically, what happens to you? What, what, what are you like in heaven? What am I going to be like in heaven? And so I, I want to dive into that, unpack that, and, and, uh, and, and pull a few things out. And I'll just say right up front, my goal today is to seed in us hope and not fear. Because many of us, uh, when we think about death, or our own death, or if we get that call or that diagnosis for us or someone close to us, like a lot of anxieties and fears are the things that well up in us. And I can say from firsthand experience, uh, as we're experiencing a number of hardsh- hardships in that regard, in, in our immediate vicinity, that, that we must be a people who live in our hopes and not in our fears. And so I want to unpack that dive into that and first let's just talk about the realities of the world we live in our world is obviously broken but I don't think we realize that this isn't how God intended it to be like this isn't the perfect world this is the broken world but we get so used to it that we don't realize or think about what a a, what the what God's real intention originally was with with the creation, and what he is restoring. And so, maybe you've heard of the resurrection when Jesus returns. I want to talk to you today about the restoration that happens when Jesus returns. And inherent to talking about this topic, it's a little challenging because it's like trying to tell a tadpole what it would be like to be a frog, right? Like it's it's a completely different environment, completely different world. Like we only get little glimpses, but we're going to do our best today to pull on those glimpses and talk about that. So, we live today in a world not perfect, not restored, but looking forward with hope to what comes, and the evidence of that brokenness is everywhere. Uh, for instance, uh, I don't know if you've ever witnessed a couple ten-year-olds in conversation. Uh, it's really a pleasure to listen in, but not once have I heard a group of ten-year-olds, like like at the breakfast table, going, "Oh." My back hurts so bad, man. How did you sleep? And I, man, I was up all night. I had to go to the bathroom like four times. and like, you, don't, you don't hear those conversations from 10-year-olds, right? But have you noticed that the older you get, the higher percentage of your time you spend talking about things that hurt on your body, right? Oh, my knees. Oh, my, like shoveling this morning, my back just went, like gave me a sharp pain. I'm like, why? Like, I actually was worried. I worried woke up the neighbors because I, I did kind of like shout, like, ah, like, the older we get, the more and more like the evidence of our broken bodies is, is there, right? And I and I think that that shows up in many and various ways. Brokenness abounds, and and that maybe gives us some reality of our own mortality. But it really hits home when when our own mortality or those close to us really uh, really does get to the last moments. Um, and I can say, from personal experience, I just walked with my neighbor through cancer, multiple years. He just died. A week and a half, two weeks ago, and funerals this Saturday, and as, um, as much as you know it's coming, it, you're still never really prepared for it, and he was a man who gained, he's in early 40s, gained everything he thought that he wanted in this world, and cancer took that all away from him, but in the midst of that, what he found was hope in Jesus, and I, I praise God for that, but it's still hard to see him go, and you, you guys, are are you with me in this? experienced, watched, seen this, and I, I mean, I watched him go through the progression, I knew death was near when, you know, he wasn't eaten anymore, he couldn't communicate well, I mean, his color changed, his legs swelled, and then, and uh, he's, he's from a Hmong background, and so it's really interesting just to even watch the family, and how they come around him differently than, than the experience I've had, and in, in the culture I've grown up in, and like, when he passed away, instead of, because in the households I grew up in, if somebody passed away, you care for the family, but people don't want to come and be with the body, but this was the exact opposite. When he passed away, everyone came for hours and hours, and that night ended with, I think it was about 10 p.m., they came to take his body away, and it ended with myself, another pastor, and somebody who is a spiritual mentor in his life, literally carrying his body out of the house while everybody was kind of witnessing this moment and, and putting him in the car, and I, it just, like, there's a there's a finality to that that I just wasn't prepared for. Um, and then in our house, and I, this is not to be depressing. Remember, we're living in hopes, not in our fears. But in our household, my wife's mom, and I know I've talked about this here before as ALS, and this disease is progressing, and then her mom fell and broke both her legs, fibula and tibia. In the hospital, while she's in the hospital, my father-in-law gets... Um, uh, blood clots in his lungs and is in the ICU for five days and then so my wife went for a weekend that weekend has turned into multiple weeks and she's the primary caregiver just staying up all night with her mom on a baby monitor trying to help and care and so so I I say all this to draw the picture of the reality of our mortality is right in front of us and all of us have that but at different times in our life that lens focuses sharper than others. Agreed? And so that question should really be on all of our minds. What does happen afterwards? What happens in heaven? For those of us who trust in Jesus, what does that look like? And I love what what Jesus says in John 11. Because here he is, Lazarus, his friend, is sick. And he's invited to come see him, and, and he just goes, no, nope, not yet, and he doesn't come. In fact, he waits so long that when he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. By the way, that four days is very, very significant, because in Jewish culture, it was, it was kind of believed that the soul lingered around the body for about three days, and after three days, the soul left the body. So if you're a fan of the Princess Bride, like Lazarus wasn't mostly dead, he was all the way dead. Does that hit home? He was all the way dead, four days. Um, and so when Jesus comes and then they go, I wish you were here. And Jesus says, no, your, your brother is gonna rise again. And they're like, yeah, 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 on the last day, I know that's coming. He goes, and he goes, listen, I am the resurrection and the life Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this? When he says, do you believe this to Martha? We should be going, uh, hearing that question, do you believe this, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? If you believe in him, this life, the end of this life is not the end, it's the beginning of all the real good fullness of God's promises. And if you believe that, like I, I gotta imagine Martha's heart is beating a little faster. I got like it's ours should be like and I know in church we golf clap for things like that, like that's great, but man, there should be like oh something more in us just going that's that's so amazing and i and I want to add one other little just aside in here because um there's something that's confusing I've seen at funerals where people will say. Yeah, uh, they're with they're with Jesus in heaven right now, and they're experiencing all these things. And yet, yet the scripture talks about like, hey, we'll all be risen from the dead on the last day when Jesus returns. But it also talks about to Jesus to the man on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. So, like, how does that work? Like, when we die, wh- where, are we there? Are we not there? How does? That, and and I'll just say right up front, I'm a tadpole. I don't know. I like I, like I I don't know the big picture, but this these are the peaks we get. Like some people might say, oh, we're outside of time. God created time, and we just go right to that last day. Maybe. Um, Others would say, like when we die, our soul, like the man on the cross near Jesus, is with Jesus. So it's very accurate to say with Jesus. Because we see in Revelation, like the souls of the martyrs crying out, when will the day come? When will the day come? And then the resurrection of the body, the restoration of the body comes when Jesus returns. And then the soul and the body brought together. I don't know all those answers, but I do know that we can rest in confidence that our soul is with Jesus when we pass, and then when Jesus comes back, we will have new bodies. How all the timing works on that, I think we're going to see, but I don't know all the details, but I find that fascinating. So that said, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, heart's beating faster. There's something to this. Our hope, we live in our hope, should be firmly rooted in Jesus and who he is and who he said he is. It's like, it's like we broke this world and it's God's giant response to that through Jesus of I am going to fix it. You broke it, I'll fix it. And I used that word restoration earlier very purposely because I think when the resurrection comes of our bodies, a more accurate word would be the Restoration. So I want to talk the rest of the time here on three ways that you will be restored in heaven, that we will be restored in heaven for knowing Jesus, because of Jesus. And the first one is the resurrection of our body. Like Corinthians says, we will have a glorified body. Like our bodies now are like seeds compared to like the tree of what will come. Like out of this seed will come something Different, greater, stronger, uh, the glorified body. You might be thinking, I already have a glorified body. But just imagine the glorified body. And the first thing that comes to mind for that is like when the scripture says, we will run and not grow weary. Can you just imagine that for a second? I don't know if any of you are runners in here, but but I'll I'll, I'll use this story. When I I was a couple years into marriage, my wife was teaching at a school, and... um, we didn't have kids, so I really had no reason to get off the couch, all right? And I was young enough to think that I would always be in shape. It was really dumb. So she's at a school, and they have a basketball competition where uh, it's like the eighth graders versus teachers and others. So since I was married to a teacher, I, I was conscripted to play in this game, and I thought I was a pretty good basketball player. And so I got <laughs> I got into that game, and some eighth grade kid just, just breaks away, and he's going like... And I'm thinking to myself, I can chase this kid down and like I can swat that ball. Like in my mind, there's just gonna be a beautiful, powerful, embarrassing moment for him. I remember I was young too, in my 20s, all right? And so I'm running, and as I'm running and chasing this kid, and those those delusions of grandeur are in my head. As I'm running, I literally felt my legs just go, No, you're not, and just went down, like boom. Boom, like the most embarrassing in front of a whole gym of people thing that could possibly happen. And my body, my, my, a long way to say, my body grew weary. And that was one of the first signs that like, yes, you actually need to move. You actually need to move to be in shape of any short sort. But in heaven, our restored bodies stronger. Our restored bodies do not grow weary. Our restored bodies probably no one will have hair because you'll have beautiful heads in heaven. You catch that reference? Our restored bodies. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was great. I don't know if you got it late or if you just... <laughs> or you were just picturing your husband bald. I don't know. <laughs> but and most of us kind of think in heaven, yes, we'll have a heavenly body. Most of us get that. But here's another aspect. So the first restoration, physically. But the second restoration is one I had not really thought about, but is probably more hope-filled for me than any of the other ones. And that is, I shouldn't say any other ones, more than the physical. And that is the, that we'll be restored internally. So restored physically, yes, but also internally. Uh, I haven't met a human yet that hasn't experienced some trauma in life, whether small, micro, or massive, big. And that trauma leaves scars on us, on our psyche, on the way we are, on how we treat others. On how, uh, it, it, you know what I'm talking about? Like I know somebody who, as a kid, their their childhood was so traumatized that they will literally not talk about it. They just won't even share stories about their childhood because it's just, it's just so hard to go there. And I and I see the cracks of that showing up in relationships in life all over the place. And I wonder, what would that person be like? If that trauma from that childhood was completely healed in their, in the very in the very heart of who they are. If you've seen people go through mental illness of any degree or sort, can you just imagine the beauty of those people? Like to be you, but fully you without the anxieties, the weights, the worries, the, the brokenness to our psyche, the traumas from our past, all of that like just washed away and washed over. Like, to me, that is such a hopeful and beautiful thing. You, physically, yes, f- like, but also you, internally, fully you. Fully you. So if the first restoration is physical and the second's internal, the third one is actually the greatest restoration, but it's the one that we don't always recognize as the greatest, and that is it is a restored relationship with God. So in the beginning with Adam and Eve, It says God walked in the garden with them. He was like in relationship with them. In the end, Revelation 21, God will walk with us again. And and we might just be like, I don't know about you, but it's like, yeah, okay, that's great, that's cool. We usually think about heaven with us at the center. And I, I think I've shared here before, no, heaven is, God is at the center, Jesus is at the center. That's the beauty of it. But truly, the restoration of relationship with God is so profound. I actually think that story echoes out in every other story that truly moves the human heart. So at the end of the movie Finding Nemo, are you all familiar with that? At the end of the movie Finding Mo- Nemo, I found myself weeping. Uh, you may not have been crying, but I found myself really teary. Like Fish Dad and Fish Son, they have, like, his dad's so filled with fear, and then, you know, fish, Clownfish Son runs away and. Clownfish dad chases him across the ocean, battling all these fears and things and and hanging with these cool turtles and sharks. And in the end, they unite and their relationship is better and stronger. And yes, tears. And I think every story, have you noticed that most movies that really move us are really just the same story over and over and over again, repackaged in different ways. It's the story of a broken relationship that in the end is fully restored. Restored. And I feel like that is just an echo of the calling of God, like for us to be fully restored with him. You might not think because we live in the cloud, in the tadpole pool, that we we don't realize how great that is, but that is the greatest restoration. Restored physically, restored internally, and restored in our relationship with God. Fully us, fully free, fully known, fully loved for eternity. I don't know about you, but that that should put us in a place to live in hope and not in fear. And if you, like me, have have had some of those, you know, that, that phone call no one wants to get, that diagnosis no one wants to hear, that, that loss that you weren't prepared for, if you've had that or are experiencing that, I just pray that you would know the fullness of the hope that is in Jesus, the resurrection and the life, that he who believes in him, though they may die will live amen amen thank you jesus thank you for your promises thank you for your glory thank you for your life thank you for your power on display thank you for your grace and i pray lord jesus that you would seed in us hope beyond hope in your name and for your glory alone we pray amen Now, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor. And then I just listen to this. May he give you his peace. Now and forever. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship.